Well, good morning again, and uh, just so thankful to be here. And, you know, over the last many weeks, uh, just want to thank Dr. Dan specifically. Over the last two weeks, he's stepped in and done an excellent job of challenging us, just an excellent job. And uh, so well, so well, I brought back his beautiful drawing from last week. Uh, it's surprising you ain't even reading this, him being a doctor and everything, that you can even read something he writes down. But... But uh, anyway, but it stirred in me as I was watching in, you know, online two weeks ago and then in, happened to be, uh, was able to be back here and be in the room last week as Dr. Dan taught on the challenge of walking this faith out. How hard it is, or is it, to stay on track. One of my favorite uh, phrases, and I, I may be, I, I do this a lot. I take somebody's phrase and then make it my own, but, but I kind of, but I make it better. That's the reason why I do it. Dr. Dan was saying last week, the slide or this creeping or this movement away is subtle Till it's not. It's subtle till it's not. How does somebody who's on fire here end up back over in here? How does that happen? Or maybe. You came to know Christ, maybe you weren't on fire like some in what we would call on fire, but you knew. But there is this creeping or movement that gets us back over here. So today I'm going to talk to you a little bit, I hope, to be helpful in this. And going back to here a little bit, that maybe would help us over here. Because one of the advantages, and I don't mean this, and I don't recommend it for anyone, but one of the advantages now that it's happened of coming to know Christ in my mid-20s at 26 years old is I had a lot of history of overcoming some things, some misperceptions, if you will, or thoughts that I had about Christianity and why I would even want to even consider becoming a Christian. Now, I was around it as a teenager, uh, went a long time away from it. But I don't know today, just sharing a little bit about where I've been or where I was and what I remember may be able to help us a little bit, even if you're already over here, but for sure if you're over here today, whether you're watching online or you're in this room. If I had a title for this series, and, and I was telling Josiah, I have a tendency to take one thought, and then it ends up being six weeks, and it ends up being a series, and when I look back on it, in hindsight. But we've been talking about, even as a staff, going back to the basics or fundamentals, and, I, and I've, taught, I've done a lot of coaching in my life, and one of the things I hammer away at is the fundamentals. But if I had to title this, and we'll see how it works, it would be Roots. And it's really going back to those, the, the cause or the effect 
of why we are doing what we're doing. But it's also the stabilizer once you're there. The roots are what you go back to. The roots are what you go, why did I get in this in the first place? It's that thing that causes us to stay steady and not begin to do this. Colossians 2, 6, and 7 says, so then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught in overflowing with thankfulness. Now, we could preach a whole series on the last three words, overflowing with thankfulness. But the word I'm going to camp on today is rooted or root. What you, the origin of what happened and when you came here, but it's also the thing that will stabilize you and keep you on track and cause you to be built up. It'll be that thing, how deep they go, that when the wind comes and the wind blows and the storms come, and they will. If you're not in one, one is coming. And you go, man, this is a very positive Sunday coming to church. But it will. If you've been walking this out long, you know the storms will come. Well, it's the roots. It's the stabilizers. It's that thing you go back to. But it's funny, a lot of times we wander off and we wander back around here. Without the storms, we just take it for granted we're not overflowing with thankfulness. So what I want to do today, and again, I've got a lot of thoughts. But I want to step back in time for me, 40-something years, as a teenager, and then a decade I call the lost decade from 16 to 26, even though God redeems it over and over. But for me, it was lost because there was so much potential that I left laying on the table for whatever reason. But I remember in high school, and so what I'm going to talk to you today, some perceptions I had that I hope maybe will help us all today. But, but one of them was, as a high schooler, Again, many of you know I grew up in a town of 400 people. My graduating class had 11 people in it. And it just wasn't a very big school. I didn't know very many Christians. I knew a couple, had great respect for them. But most of the people I knew, almost all of them went to church because you were in the South. Everybody was part of a church. but I didn't know very many Christians. I really honestly only remember two Christians in my whole high school, in my upper grade, where I, within the grades with, on the front, one side or the other of me. And again, not a lot of people, but only two that I remember that stood out. But I just thought, you know, and even as I look back, I had this perception, however... I also knew those two people were two of the people I had the most respect for. 
But I had this perception, people who went to church in high school especially couldn't get friends anywhere else. They were kind of weak. They weren't very popular, even though these people were. So it was kind of this weird tension that I lived in, knowing the only two people I know, but somehow or another that were people I respected the most. However, somehow, someway, it got in my mind, the enemy planted out only I can say it, in my mind that the only people who really, really attended church and really took it serious was those who were unpopular. So over time, it began to feed this narrative in my mind of what I thought Christians were. It began to build. I began to build a library, if you will, of things that I could list on that, on that list of things of saying, okay, this is why. And the reason was, and I will tell you this today, now that I look back on it, it was excuses. I figured the bigger library I could build, the bigger case I could build, the less I had to think about it. Believe me, I reached a point where I didn't think about it. <laughs> I'm trying to keep from breathing into this. I'm sorry about that. I'm trying to adjust that. But the first one was this. Christians are weak. It takes a weak person to live by faith. The perception I had... And I don't know if it was the first pastor I ever had or not, the pastor I remember, Brother McCoy, was one of the sweetest people I knew and one of the most spirit-filled people I knew. I mean, he would walk around you, and you could sense it, so I stayed away from him. <laughs> I mean, he had it all over him. I mean, you could just... And nothing, he would, he would, and I think I've told you before, he knew I was rebelling. He knew I'd quit coming to church, but he would see me at the, at, the, at, the, at the little town store there. He would come to the basketball games. He would just talk to me. He'd talk to me about basketball. He would never say anything about church. Kurt, I think you're living the wrong way. But his spirit on him did. <laughs> so I didn't like being around him. So when I saw Brother McCoy coming, I avoided Brother McCoy. <laughs> Ever been around anybody like that? When you know you're living far away from God, when you know you avoid certain people. But my perception of him was because he was so sweet and so easy. And for whatever reason, over time, my perception of Christianity was Mother Teresa's. And I'm telling you, growing up as a jock and growing up in sports and growing up in, in, in the part of the country I lived in, weak was not something that could even be smelled. And so for me, Christianity had that bent to it that the only way you could be a Christian is to be a Mother Teresa. Somewhere along the way, my favorite movie, I think I've told you this, my two favorite movies, if you ask me, number one is Braveheart. How many, yeah, some of you'd say Gladiator, but Braveheart, get a big shout out for Braveheart from Clean Flicks. Don't go get the other one because you may see things you shouldn't. But the other one, this goes to Mr. Chicken. Okay, so you can go see that Don Knotts. So those are my two favorites. But I never thought about Jesus being William Wallace. I never thought about Jesus painting himself blue and yelling freedom. I just never thought about that until I read Scripture, until I became a Christian. 
Then I began to find out, yeah, in John 6, he looks at all of his, his, his posse, his disciples, and they're kind of complaining, and a bunch, and the word says a bunch of disciples left Jesus, and he looks at the 12, and he goes, do you want to leave too? And basically what he's saying is, right there's the road. If you're going to follow me, this is what we're doing. But if you don't, right, there's the road. I'm willing to walk this out by myself. There's the road. Peter had a great answer. Jesus, where would we go? You're the Holy One of God. Where in the world would we go? Or Jesus, when he pronounces to his hometown that he's, he reads the Scripture and he says, standing in your presence today, I am it. You know what they want to do to him? Push him off a cliff. That's what you get for showing up in your hometown, proclaiming yourself as God, the Messiah. You get the reward of being pushed off a cliff or threatened. What does Jesus do? He walks through them like John Wayne, and they just part. John 10, he says, no one takes my life, but I lay it down by my own accord. Oh, yeah, on the night, he washes the disciples' feet just like some servant, like a Mother Teresa being gentle. And even to those who would betray him, those who would deny him, knowing his mission the whole time, going to the cross, I don't see only a weak person there. I see a person who is confident in who they are and where they're headed. And in the mix of one person is both. And that's what he offers us. Mother Teresa and William Wallace. Please don't take, I don't want to get any emails. You know what I'm saying. So the whole weak thing loses. My kids will tell you. Those who've been in our youth group, and those who have been around us in Uncommon. We talk about being, no, you're not weak. Some of the most courageous people I've ever met is since I've been a believer. Time-wise, I better get going here. I could spend a lot of time on that. The other one is, one of these is Christians escape reality. One of the reasons you have faith I always thought, was it you pray so you can do what? You pray so you can throw it on God and you don't have to deal with it. You just kind of push it away. And what I found out becoming a believer, I'm going to go through some of these kind of quick, some of them I'm going to camp on. What I found out as a believer is that my eyes have been open to reality. Where before I found other ways to shade myself from reality. And when I came to know Christ, I began to see things. I pray because I have faith and I believe in a God. I pray for healing. I pray, I pray in all kinds of different ways. 
But it also began to open my eyes up to the world around me. I could see things that I didn't see before. I could see people the way they were, maybe the way Jesus sees them, where before I would just blow them off, or I would categorize them of some kind of whatever, and I would just pigeonhole them because I didn't have to deal with it. I didn't have to deal with the fact that people are just broken, so am I. And even if I disagree with somebody vehemently about something, there's still a precious creation of God. Never thought about that before. I would rather pigeonhole that driver. I'd rather pigeonhole that politician. I'd rather pigeonhole that lifestyle. I'd rather pigeonhole. I would much rather do that because that's a lot easier, right? That had come to know that we're all broken. To come to know that I am part of the solution. That I don't pray so I can ignore the world. I pray so I can figure out how to be of help in the world. I pray that God will give me eyes to see and ears to hear and a tongue to speak and feet that will go and hands that will put to the plow. That's what I pray for, to be a part of the answer. So no, I don't. Christians don't, right, they don't ignore the reality. They, be, they, they lean into reality. If they're living out this faith the way they should. But what happens is we make that, we realize it, we get over here and we begin to pick up old habits. it's just easier. I realize this whole thing is about love, and it's about love for me and love for others. I get all that, except it's just way easier to not be part of the solution. It's way easier to pigeonhole you and not have to confront you. I don't mean confront you as in confrontational. But be realistic about we're all broken people trying to figure this thing out. I tell you, I drive around town. This thing's driving me crazy, and I apologize. I drive around town. You, you know, one of the things that I, it's, it is amazing to me. When I was growing up, and even Jan and I owned some when we were in Texas, many storage buildings. And I don't mean many as an M A N Y, M I N I, so we call it a mini storage. Anybody know what your mini storage? Well, I drive around town now. There are these massive, beautiful storage units everywhere. I'm talking about prime property, too. I'm not talking about, oh, well, let's put it in the back lot somewhere. We're talking about, I was just on Priest the other day uh, uh, down by uh, Warner and, and, and between Warner and Elliott. These two beautiful storage buildings. They're on 24th Street. They're on Indian School. We've got so much junk we won't get rid of junk. So we have to build bigger buildings to hold more junk. You know one of the biggest issues most of us got? We can't get rid of the junk. We want to hang on to it, so we build more rooms under our house. In fact, I'll talk about that in a few weeks. Come back. It'll be great. Okay. 
But I'm just telling you, we are people that want to hold on to stuff. Useless stuff. We don't forgive. I'd rather pigeonhole. I'd rather do all those things because I may, have you ever done this? Jen and I were just talking about it. We look in our closet and go, I hadn't worn that like in five years, but I may need it. Ever done that? I might need that. An occasion might come up where I might need that specific. No, you won't. Kurt, you should have let go of that years ago. Of what that person did or didn't do. Oh, but you know, I don't know when I'll need it. We just hang on to stuff. Because we're not willing to live into the reality that the very things we keep hanging on to are sucking the life out of us and sucking us back towards this drift. Now, those who are following Christ wholeheartedly look at reality and go, that can't go where I'm going. It's time for me to close the locker, the storage unit, because I ain't using that no more. I'm burning that particular bridge, and I ain't going back. People say all the time, don't burn bridges. Where's some you need to burn? Some you need to burn. One of my favorites of all time, my perception was, Christians don't have fun. I might be missing out, right? Maybe I'll become a full-blown follower of Jesus Christ when I get older and I'm a parent because parents don't have fun. They're just supposed to figure out how to take care of their kids. That doesn't look like no fun at all. <laughs> I mean, even when they're adults, it doesn't look like fun. I'm having this, you know. <laughs> Boring. You know, one of the things we told our kids growing up, and it's kind of one of our values in our home, when I gave up, alcohol 36 years ago or whatever it was, 35 years ago, the one commitment I had to my, and it was only, and the reason I did was because it was a I prayed it was going to be a stumbling block for my own children. That's the reason why I did it. Not really because I couldn't, I think I could have still drunk, drank and gotten away with it. I don't mean gotten away with it, not harm me. But I was afraid it was going to harm others. And so for me, it was a stumbling block because the people I was going to ask to follow me that couldn't be a part of me, you know, because one of the things I always thought about, even like, uh, like the church of the Nazarene originally, well, y'all are teetotalers, you're, you're legalistic, and then you find out later it was because of mercy. Because the first two decades of the United States, in 19, from 1900 to 1920, alcoholism was ruining our country. So the, so, the, so the church of the Nazarene made a decision, a conscious decision, we can't be a part of that. Whether it hurts us personally or not, we can't be a part of that. And so, they, so that's why we've abstained, not out of legalism, but out of mercy. But let me say this. For me, though, and I'm back to this, and I don't want to make a big deal about that, but what I do want to say was I did think this. 
if I'm going to give up alcohol, we got to have fun in our house. We're going to have fun. <laughs> we are going to have a blast, and we have. I tell you, it's caused me to do some things intentional that have embarrassed me normally. I danced at, my, at, at Summer and Colton's wedding a few weeks ago. Even though I used to put on discos, I did. Thank you very much. I was a fine entrepreneur there. But the reason I did is because my grand, I want my granddaughters to know your knucklehead grandfather can have a blast. Not a very good dancer. My point is this. For my kids growing up, we said this is the great adventure, and we leaned into it. And we have had a blast in places around this world you wouldn't believe. I would tell them, if you get a chance to dance, dance. We would play that song. If you get a chance to dance, dance. I know it doesn't fit well with the Church of the Nazarene. I get it. Years ago, but it does now. We're going to have a blast. We're going to push you in the middle. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me all those years as I look back on my high school days, even with my buddy who was the only Christian guy I knew and one girl, the only Christian girl I knew, they seemed to be all right (laughs) not doing what we were doing. And it still amazes me today that they stayed true to that. I thought that Christians were uninformed. That whatever the pastor said and whatever that Bible said, that's what they did. Years went by, and I think I've shared with you before. I don't know if we have the quasi-quadrilateral up here. I don't know if we had that or not. But you know I've talked to you about this before. But then I found out that Christians are not just so uninformed. Oh, that's all you do. Just read that Bible, whatever they tell you. And then you come to find out the way that we look at it from a believer's standpoint is we take reason and experience and tradition and history, filter it through Scripture to get to truth. Way more informed than most people I know. And I don't mean that in a slight towards anybody else. But we as believers need to be informed, not only of Scripture, yes, not only of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, yes, and asking us to do things that don't make sense at all in the real world, but they do in kingdom type stuff. But we're also, it's gone now, disappeared. But we also reason. Now, none of it ever supersedes Scripture. As Christians, it never supersedes that. It's never on an equal basis with that, but it sure informs us. And we as believers need to know how to give an answer for the hope that is within us. I didn't think people had answers. I just thought they were brainwashed, to be honest with you. Now, there's a lot of other things we could talk about today. Hypocrites. Oh, I didn't because I, all churches are full of hypocrites. We could talk about all those kind of things. And I, you could have, you'd probably have your own list of why for, for maybe for years you didn't become a believer. Another one for me was peer pressure. When 95% of your school is not, it's just easier to go with not.
But isn't it interesting that you would rather stand with a group of people you know are wrong and it's a sinking ship than to stand by yourself knowing it's right? Just interesting that what happens to the human psyche. The other one was, I thought, well, if life ever crashes around me, then I will reach out to God. Oh, I did that in 1984, and I'll share with you another, another Sunday how that unfolded. But I didn't come to know Christ until 15 years later, I mean 15 months later, when everything was good for me. Beautiful wife, beautiful daughter, daughter. Great job. I was looking up the other day. I was making seventy-something thousand dollars a year. I was twenty-six years old, full benefits. I don't even know what that's worth today. <laughs> Having everything paid for, you didn't even have a deductible. I mean, it was like everything was paid for, and you're going. But even in the middle of all that, I didn't know that the Holy Spirit still comes to you when everything's right, and He begins to woo you. He begins to draw you, and he begins to stir in you. We call it provenient grace. I thought everything had to be kind of going wrong or some of the other things I've already talked about. That's probably why people would come to church, because their life is a disaster. It's amazing how much God can find his way if you're open to it. And you start showing up, like I've told you before. Jan, after Sydney was born, she said, I'm going to start going to church and you can either stay at home or, or come with us and all that. I started attending church, and I didn't realize I would go to work and still be thinking about it. And the Holy Spirit would still be working on me. I'd be at a softball game out in the middle of the field, and I, the Holy Spirit would be working on me. had nothing to do with being in the building or a sermon being preached. And I told you before, I don't remember what the sermon was the day I gave my life to the Lord. I have no clue. Because it wasn't dependent on that message. It was dependent on the Holy Spirit drawing me and me responding. That's what mattered. My life was great. If you looked at, like I said, if you looked at where Jane and I were even financially then, probably better than we were years, a few years after that. Keep having kids. We had a conversation this week with a good friend of ours, or, or some family member bought a muscle car. And they were talking to me about it, and, and this person's got two kids, and, 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 the, and we were laughing about it. And they the, the, the came up going, well, kind of like, where's my muscle? I said, well, I'm not tell you where my muscle cars are. It's in the two extra kids I had. <laughs> I should have just stopped it too. Then I could go buy all the muscle cars I want. Jan made me text Tori or Colton and go, Colton, I didn't really mean it. Colton was standing there. He comes. In your retirement, he comes. When you're sitting in a, I remember sitting in a bar in, in a Dog Patch, Oklahoma, just outside of Smithville. Dog Patch, what it was called, I guarantee you. Not the amusement park. And all these old beer joints. And I'm sitting there looking at, Oh, I thought they were really old. They were probably 50. I don't know what their age was. 
And I remember just there, and I remember it clear as I was 20, 21 years old. And just sitting there looking, going, man, I don't want that. I don't know how to get out of it. But I'm sitting there looking, going, they're 50 years old. I believe they look 70, 80, but I don't know what they were. But I don't want to be doing that. And the Spirit coming and speaking to me, even in that. So the Spirit can come and speak and woo and draw. And it's not all around that particular thing. You know that. He can come and do it, drive it along in a car. He can, he can come and move on you. He's not restricted by your worst times. He may be speaking to you in your best times because those are the times you forget about him the most. Misconceptions, perceptions. The other one was, when it started stirring with me, when I got to be 20, when I was 25, 26, and we're going to church, I'm going, then this big question began to go, what, God, would you do with me if I really did? Have you ever been there? That hesitancy going, if I really did turn my life over to you, what would that look like? What will I have to leave behind? Because the problem is, and like many of you, this is the only Kurt Gentry I knew up to that point. I didn't know any other Kurt Gentry. And the reason it's difficult to change and to let go and not sure, because the person you become may disagree with who you currently are. Say it again. The person with whom you want to become vehemently may disagree with who you currently are. Because it seems easier to protect the self-centered self. It just seems easier. But God comes along and he gives us this option. To allow his spirit to begin to deal with the self-centered self or you continue to protect the self-centered self. And there becomes this battle. I'll talk more about it next week, about the natural, the worldly, and the spiritual man, Lord willing. But there becomes this battle. And if we're not careful like I did for a decade, you harden your heart. It's a real thing where you become indifferent to anything of God intentionally. Oh, you know what it's like for the Spirit to begin to speak to you. You just intentionally begin to cut it off. Because the last one for me that I'll mention, and we'll get out of here, was that I looked at Christianity ultimately as a crutch. And I've used crutches. I've, I've injured myself enough times over the years along with having a hip replacement and some different things along the way from injuries. But I realized a crutch, you use a crutch because whatever used to function the way it functioned as, can't function that way right now until you stay off of it long enough for it to heal. 
So you use a crutch. And that makes sense for an ankle or a knee or whatever that is, or hip maybe. But in life, again, we, we want to do it so it can go back until it heals the way it was designed for in the first place, then I can put my full weight on it, then I can begin to do what I want to do. But as I looked at Christianity, I thought, well, that's a crutch for people. That ultimately is what people use it for. It's just that kind of mixing all the things I've mentioned this morning. It just kind of mixes all that together. Well, you pick one. But what I realized as I began to give my life fully to the Lord and began to do this, and I wish there was, and I, and I can't tell you I am that, but I just wish there was more paper because I want to continue on. You know, people say many times to Dr. Dan said, where's the line? But Dr. Dan, where's the line? Who cares where the line is? Because, man, I'm chasing that way. I don't even care where the line is. Because my life is not about figuring out where the line is, what I can get away with, what I can't get away with, what is I still believer, what will people think of me. No, I'm not looking at it. I'm chasing after God over here. The Word says to pursue. So it really doesn't even matter where the line is to me. Because life is not, Christian life is not about a line, it's about a pursuit. Always has been. So what happens is, and what I tell people is, and my belief is, yes, I've used these a lot, but what happens is when I come back to Christ, when I come to Christ, I'm putting myself back in position for what I was designed for in the first place. What happened in the garden, I was broken. And shattered. But when I give my life back to Christ, all of a sudden the pieces are starting to be put back together. I was created to, 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 to be transformed back into the true righteousness and holiness of God. That's what I was designed for. And now coming back to Christ and allowing the Holy Spirit to move in my life and to change me. Now I'm getting to the point where I no longer have to have those crutches I used for years. that I feel the void with. And I won't list them all because some of them pretty ugly. When I came to Christ, I realized I now can begin to get rid of those because now I'm being restored and healed back to what I was designed to be. Christianity is not a crutch, and if you want to call it that, fine. Christianity means I can get rid of my crutches. Coming to know Christ as your Savior, you begin to get rid of those. Oh, we're not perfect. We won't be perfect if we just see Jesus face to face, and we'll continue as, as I love the song, Come Now, Come Now Fount. <laughs> there are times I have it, my, my heart is prone to wonder at times. I mean, we're bent that way. Until we see Jesus, there may be that bent. But the thing is, we pray and we continue on, and we continue to seek here and not try to figure out where that is. And the biggest thing I think it kept me ultimately from coming to God, and maybe this is where some of you are today, uh, it was one, could he forgive me? Because if he really saw who I was, I'm scared to death of him. I am scared to death of him. I didn't realize he already saw who I was. 
right? He already knows. So it's not that. For God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He did not send his son to the world to condemn it, but to what? Save it. That was me. Overflowing with thankfulness causes you to pursue. When you're not grateful and you don't get it, you begin to wonder where that is. It's subtle till it's not. And then what you do, you start going, I want to hang out with people who are doing that. I don't want to hang out with people. Now, I'll minister. You heard me say this a hundred times. I'll minister to anybody. The worst of the worst. But I choose my influencers very, very carefully. And my influencers better be doing this. Because sometimes I will wonder, and sometimes it ain't no straight line, that's for sure, right? Bad grammar, but good preaching. Yeah, it's this. Sometimes it's that, right? Oh, man, but I come back to my roots as soon as I can, especially if I'm hanging out with people who've got the same roots, right? Who get the origin but they understand what the stability is all about. I love Ephesians 3, 16 through 19. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. In other words, this is not a, just an outside thing, even though I think it's been preached over the years, and I, I'm, it's unfortunate that, that your faith in Christ is more external than it is, is internal. Scripture doesn't bear that out. That you may be strengthened in your inner being, okay? So that Christ may dwell, so that, so that, so that, circle it, so that. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. I don't do what I do as a Christian because I fear God. I do what I do because I'm rooted in love. That you may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love surpasses knowledge. In other words, you won't ever grasp it here to some degree. You won't ever understand that whole concept of unconditional love. You'll never quite get it all. But I will say this, he'll start living it through you if you give your all to him. You'll start actually seeing it in your own being. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Rooted and established in love. And this picture I get out of Jeremiah 17, 7, 8, I love this passage. Because it's my hope for my own life and my hope for you. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. 
They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear. Why? Because it's not weak. (laughs) It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Roots established in the love that only Christ can give. Sure, I could talk more about all these, and we'd have a bigger list if you had a chance to add to it. But I want you to know today, why we exist here as a church, and not so we have a nice-looking campus, and we do, and it's going to look nicer as time goes on. But it's about what we're preaching here today, and Dan has talked about, and we've talked about. It is, if you need to know Jesus as your Savior, that is the starting block. That's the origin. That's the root. And over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about those basics. A lot of it will be more teaching than preaching, even though I think I blend both of them. Not saying well, but I don't know how to help myself. So that's kind of how we work it. But I hope it's educational too. But we all know this. It's more than about believing. It's knowing. No matter what we teach here, if you don't know him, then you've missed the point. Won't you stand? As we close in prayer this morning, and we're going to talk more over these next few weeks, and I hope you'll make, if you can, a point to be here or listen online. Lord, we come before you today, knowing we could probably talk all afternoon about the things that have kept us from coming to you. I just even think about Romans 1.18, Lord, where we suppress the truth. We know the truth wants to bubble up from within us. The truth wants to just spring forth. But we suppress it. We keep it pushed down. Lord, I pray over this day or over this next week and over weeks, Lord, that you would use what we've tried to do here today, but most of all, your spirit, to begin to awaken us, allow us to surrender, allow us to to say, hey, I've thought this, that, or the other, but Lord, I want to give all this to you. Lord, I thank you today. For the folks in this room, I know for one today, Lord, this is his last Sunday and, and so proud he's been a part of us and hopefully we'll stay connected too, Lord, and just pray blessing and anointing and favor on his life today. But Lord, we just love you and thank you for this opportunity today, Lord, together with your people. Lord, it's been a long year and we're just thankful. Lord, let us be a people overflowing with thankfulness. And, Lord, I believe when we do that, we won't be looking for a line. We'll be pursuing a direction after you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. God bless you. Go have an uncommon week in his name.